We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The second half of the Chargers season is in full swing with plenty of high-profile matchups against teams in the division like the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chiefs, plus a lot of teams that are going to be coming to L.A. with a vengeance like the Patriots and the Steelers. Even if you're an away fan, you still want to see Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and all the guys come to your city. Maybe if you live in Philadelphia or if you live in Ohio or even if you're deep in enemy territory, perhaps at mile high. The Chargers will be coming to all of those places and more in the second half of the season and this could end up being a historic Super Bowl run for this team. So... You don't want to miss a single second of it if you get a chance to go to one of these games. That's where TickPick comes in. They want to send you to all of these games. And the best part about TickPick is that they're very simple to use and they don't want to give you those high-end fees that other ticketing sites will give you. Plus, some fees that come out of nowhere, frankly. So, on top of that, they also want to give you $10 off your first ticketing purchase how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to go to TickPick.com slash Charged. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged to get $10 off of your first ticketing purchase. As fun as highlights are to watch on Twitter, there's nothing that beats the real experience. You want to say that you were there in person when Justin Herbert threw that ball to Mike Williams that ended the game on a game-winning touchdown, or Derwin James getting a game-ending pick six. You want to be there for all of it because this team, this season, is special. So again, go to TickPick.com slash Charged, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Charged for $10 off of your first ticketing purchase, Bolt Up. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast coming to you live after uh, – uh, was there a football game? I, I don't think there was a football game. I don't think the team in Los Angeles got the memo that there was a football game today. Uh, but we'll talk about it, unfortunately, everything that went down. Um, you know, it's it's a frustrating time right now for sure. But thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, joining me, as always, are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing <laughs> How are you doing today? Excuse me. Um, fucking sucks. Uh, that's how I feel today. Uh, about everything. The Eagles are the Eagles. The Chargers are the Chargers. Uh, and never believe in anything in sports that could happen positively again. <laughs> brutal, brutal all around. I can't believe uh, the two offenses today for your two teams showed up like this. Uh, 
Tyler, how are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm going to go do some shots for Herbert after this. <laughs> or with him. <laughs> I uh, Everyone listening to this knows that I, I do not drink alcohol. But today is one of those days that really pushed me to my limits of potentially drinking alcohol. It was, it was a rough day to watch. Uh, the, the game itself was bad. The referees were awful. The broadcasters were even worse. So it was a, it was a rough watch today. Yep. <laughs> yep. All righty. So um, <sighs> let, let, let's dive into this. Uh, you know, why delay the inevitable, right? So I want to talk about, mm-hmm. oh, man, our, our general takeaways from this uh, performance by the Chargers. And I, I think I want to start off, if that's okay with you guys. I think for me, the biggest takeaway is that Brandon Staley's personnel decisions are costing him wins. And mm-hmm. this is something that we've really been talking about specifically for like the running back position, specifically for the tight end position. And right. today it showed up again with the fucking offensive line. You choose Senor Calamente, who's been a dreadful offensive lineman for most of his career outside of one year. In, <coughs> excuse me. Um, outside of one year in Houston or New Orleans, rather, he was pretty solid. And you drafted Brendan Hymas. So signing yeah. Michael Schofield to start Michael Schofield instead of Brendan Hymas, I understand. You think that Brendan Hymas isn't ready? Right. That's fine with me. Like, I understand you want to wait and you want to give Hymas all the time that he can handle to prepare. But you're starting Senor Calamente over him? Like, that was an awful, awful decision. And everybody today is like, how bad is Brendan Hymas in practice? That's not the right thing to be asking. The right thing to be asking is, why can't Brandon Staley make the right personnel decisions to help his team win? Senor Calamente, we haven't gotten the numbers yet, but I'm guessing there were at least 10 pressures by him. And the Chargers offense was barely on the field in the first half. So that personnel decision cost him. He said earlier this week, that Braden Fajoko and Joe Gaziano had earned the right to be on the field more frequently because of how they played against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And -hmm. I think I saw Gaziano like three times in this game. I didn't watch the last, you know, four four or five snaps just that happened just barely. But Mm -hmm. you have these two young defensive tackles who show out on Sunday night football and you still go back to Jerry Tillery who made a, a fucking ridiculous roughing the passer penalty again. And, you know, he, he had a couple good time. Like, there were a couple instances where he shot the gap and then missed the tackle. So, like, at least he's shooting the gap now. But you watched Joe Gaziano and Brayden Fajoko have fantastic games against the Pittsburgh Steelers, granted against backup linemen. And then it's like, oh, well, let's just go back to what wasn't working with Jerry Tillery and company. So, you know, and, and you can go to the cornerback position too. The, the Chargers are so thin at cornerback right now. And mm-hmm. they haven't made any additions in that room because they have a fullback slash fifth tight end and a third quarterback and a fifth running back <laughs> that are too important. So we could talk about the game and we will. Yeah. But to me, the story of the day is that Brandon Staley's personnel decisions are costing him wins. Yeah, no, I agree. And Arjun, Arjun just sent us the early pass blocking braid for uh, Calamete. Did you see what it was? No. Anybody oh, want to guess what? I got a new phone, so he probably didn't text me the right number. So, Kelamete's current pass blocking grade. 33.5. Football focus. Uh, zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> 20 pressures. Me zero. Uh, currently, dangerous. five pressures allowed, but beaten by the defender four additional times. 
God. So his pass block win rate is going to be awful. And but, you know what's um, really yeah, annoying zero. for that instance? I guarantee mm. you that all of those pressures that Kelamente gave up were on designed deep shots. I guarantee oh, that's, I'm sure. that's what's going to happen. I'm going to see on film tomorrow mm-hmm. that it's going to be all deep shots and Kelamente is giving up pressures left and right. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, he single-handedly murdered one of their drives. And I mean, God yeah. bless the offense for trying to keep it together and keep, you know, with, oh, we got a first down. Just kidding. Third and 15. Got another first down. Okay, great. We're moving. And then, okay, you know, it's, it's third and two, whatever. It's like, now it's third and seven. I mean, he was just single-handedly killing them on that drive. And I'm sure, like, I'm I, when you chart these pressures, I'll be very interested to see what you pick out because... <laughs> It's, it's going to be bad. Be and even, even if it is single-digit pressures, the penalties or the other issues, that just adds on top of it. So if you tell me you had 10 bad plays, yeah, awful. Uh, like you said, I have to, I mean, that's one of my takeaways too. And we've really been talking about these personal, these questionable personnel decisions all year. Some of them very early, like, hmm, why are we cutting, you know, we've talked about these players. But in this particular game, I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to try to focus on this game and not say, you know, Brandon Faison, for example, but you know, yeah, where was Joe Gaziano? He had the best game of any interior defensive lineman last week and was arguably part of the reason they won. Yeah. Where'd he go? Tillery looked great, didn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, four running backs were active today. Uh, they didn't do jack shit. Um, you know, it's not like there was even a rotation. It was just kind of like Eckler mostly for some reason they'd have Bradwell out there a couple of times and then Kelly would get a couple. He had a great hurdle. He did have a great hurdle. Um, so that was that was fun, but then on top of the personal decisions, you know, I'll talk about the offense later. But Brandon Staley, man, some of the, and maybe it's not all on him. Maybe it's all miscommunication. Maybe the players just flat out out aren't executing. But Staley playing so light in the box that the, the Broncos basically said, "Okay, you have one guy in front of me, and we have five. Let's run at you, touchdown." Or not having anybody near that screen on third and fifteen or whatever it was. I mean. The defense plays well in moments, but it, it just was not good in critical moments. On top of that, you have penalties. If the Chargers didn't have the ball for most of that second half, I'm sure the Broncos would have scored more. And the defense just can't put away good teams, or really any team right now. You know, the, the Bengals, with a much worse defensive roster, in my opinion, just put away the Steelers no problem with less talent. The defense can't tackle. Uh, penalties as well. Penalties on either side. It's a real question mark right now. And I think when we revisit this game and the whole offseason or the whole year, we're going to be talking about poor coaching and poor personnel decisions. And that's really, really unfortunate with this new coaching staff. Yeah, um, I think you could talk about a lot of things as to where to start with this game. Senio Calamete is just that was one of the funniest things I watched today. Just he was just getting beat on every pressure. It was just, it was just and it wasn't like it was um, like, you know, by Shelby wasn't playing in this game. Uh, yeah. Draymond Jones had like one good play. He was getting cooked by McTelvin Aguim and some <laughs> other defensive tackle that I've <sighs> never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was not pretty for the defense, but I'm going to say the name that uh, I feel like you guys aren't saying. It's Justin Herbert. Uh, like to me, that's what sure. this game was about. And I know he's getting pressured by Senio Calamante. I know he's getting pressured by other guys, but if we're going to talk about Justin Herbert having one of the best games we've ever seen a quarterback have last week, we also have mm-hmm. to talk about him when he stinks. Um, and to me, when you talk about the zone defense thing and giving him exotic looks, he struggled with that against Minnesota, struggled with that against New England, uh, and he struggled again today. Uh, so to me, yeah. uh, the drops are another conversation because, I mean, whew, that, that just Jeez. keeps on happening, and it shows no signs of slowing down. 
But uh, to me, they lost this game because of Justin Herbert. We talked about the interceptions he threw. Justin Simmons should have had another one that uh, was yeah. not counted on the stat sheet today. Um, just confusing ball placement. Didn't seem like he was ever on the right page with his receivers. Um, and so I, I feel like we have to start there because uh, it, it was just another situation where it's like, okay, TJ Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick were banged up last week. Not saying that necessarily takes away from his game, but now you go against the defense that's a little bit more complete, has more you know beef in the secondary and guys that they can you know throw at you and cover your guys with. And I think that Justin Herbert really crumbled under the pressure today. So uh, for me, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of, is Justin Herbert a top five quarterback last week? That was in your guys' show, uh, you know, when people were asking that. Um, And to me, the thing that separates Justin Herbert from that top tier of quarterbacks is the fact that you can throw pretty basic looks at him and he cannot uh, adjust to it right now. Like Vic Fangio had that guy in Supermax prison today. Um, So it it was pretty bad. So, like, until he is able to take what the defense gives him on a more consistent basis – this is kind of what the Chargers are going to be whenever they go up against a really good defense. Yeah, and like the the broadcast was showing a lot of looks, you know, like they were doing the best, the absolute best that they could to take away the deep passing game. And I know nobody wants to hear that because everybody just wants to blame Joe Lombardi. But you have to be efficient. You have to be in a rhythm. And he just, for whatever reason, was not. And it was, you, you mentioned that Justin Simmons could have had another one. There were a couple other plays that I thought could have been interceptions too. Oh, of course. And he made mm-hmm. some incredible throws like that, the scramble, the extension, and then throwing across the field to Jalen Guyton. Like that's one of the yeah. best quarterback plays I've ever seen. And then what does he do? He throws an interception to Patrick Sertan two plays later on just mm-hmm. a, a terrible, terrible throw. So, you know, Arjun is mentioning right now in the chat, like the, the Broncos were down three offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I think they lost a fourth. I think Dalton Reisner left the game too. And mm-hmm. they were down a bunch of defensive players, too. You know, Shelby Harris wasn't there. Of course, you don't really have a consistent edge rusher opposite of Bradley Chubb, who was making his return. Um, they've had, like, eight different linebackers play in this game in this season. Kareem Jackson wasn't playing today. Mm-hmm. So you can talk about, like, this being a good Broncos defense, but the opportunity was there. Justin Herbert just didn't make the plays that were necessary, and he was just – his ball placement was really inconsistent all all day long. So I was, I was reading someone's uh, DM. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. The Chargers really need to dig deep and figure out what the best way to help Justin Herbert is against these good defenses. Yes. I thought they had the right idea because as they did last week to great success, they let him throw. Like it wasn't like a, a timid, you know, you know, hand the ball off a bunch of times game. They ran play action, which worked last week. And the Steelers blitzed 16 different times, or at least had 16 different blitzes from individual players, from the linebackers or safeties or DBs. So it's not like they didn't bring any heat last week. You know, I, I don't remember the offense running it more than they should. I don't remember a wide receiver screen other than Herbert dumping it off to Allen in the flat. Whatever the issue is, whether it be playing Hymas, you know, with Filer out or drafting speed in the future or, or going overboard to the tight ends in, in games moving forward, figure it out because, I mean... Like you said, at the same time, it has to be said, Herbert's been playing awful football versus good defenses. And yes, that's a lot of it is on him. They need to find a way to make it work for him because right now it's just not. Today was the worst example of it, in my opinion. I thought 
honestly, like it was worse than the Baltimore game. I feel like I said that with the, the Minnesota Vikings game too. And yes, everyone failed around him. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There are plenty of coaches, players, all those things that absolutely failed around Herbert. But he just, how many turnover worthy plays did he have today? Six, seven, eight, yeah. any of those numbers I would, I would buy. He just couldn't process. He was flat footed. And if he even if he ran it, he wasn't running well. So you have the you know the pick six that was behind Eckler, then a ball behind Bradwell that he probably should have caught, but it still was dropped. End zone interception, really poor pocket presence, staring guys down, and it looked like in some instances, especially with the and it's very hard to tell, especially because they they only show us you know one angle and it's not very good. But it felt like from the broadcast angle, they'd have Parham or, or Cook right in front of him, and he'd be staring with a clean pocket. And he wouldn't throw it and he'd scramble or, or get, you know, sacked for five yards or whatever. It was really bad football for him from him today. So they need to go back to the drawing board. I think there are a mix of plays that could work. I think there's a mix of talent here that could work, but it's just not working against these good defenses. They have to sit down with him and figure out what the hell they need to do to help him out. Is Again, is yeah, he, and I'll, do we just run it 50 times? I don't know. Because the combination of Herbert playing not well and them, I think, not helping him as best they could. It's not looking good. Well, it's, I mean, we could run it 50 times, but they haven't figured out which running backs they want to play. Um, they drafted Jeez. Larry Roundtree. He's a healthy scratch. They drafted Joshua Kelly. He's always a healthy scratch except today. Uh, so I don't know if running 50 times is a good idea. No, I mean, I mean, the thing with Herbert and you talk about the Minnesota and uh, New England games, like I thought this one was more on him in comparison to those games. Like you can talk about Joe Lombardi. Uh, and, you know, anytime, anytime I ever say something negative about Justin Herbert on Twitter, it's just like, oh, it's actually Joe Lombardi. It's like, yeah, but today was more on him. Joe Lombardi didn't throw seven interceptable passes uh, at the end of the day. And to me, you could talk about the offensive issues being more, uh, you know, exhaustive against uh, Baltimore, against New England than they were today. Um, other people, you know, simply like didn't contribute or dropped the ball, the defense. To me, I mean, particularly in the Baltimore game, um, was worse than it was today in a number of regards. So, like, I just, you know, what is Herbert supposed to be? <laughs> like, to me, this this is one of those yeah. games where, I mean, it was 14-7 for a very long time. I know the final score makes it look like a blowout, uh, and it <laughs> kind of got to get to that point. Uh, but it, the Chargers should have had, you know, a, t- a tie game at many points, and they didn't. And so to me, that falls on Herbert. It falls on a bunch of other people as well. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think that this game is fully deserving of Herbert slander. Yeah. And I just, it's really hard for me to like really criticize the plan uh, of this game because they had like six, they had like six, six plays until the end of the second quarter. So uh, Joe Lombardi is definitely not perfect. We've talked about this. I feel like we've done a good job of being objective about Joe Lombardi. We just don't think he should be fired, but he definitely deserves some of the blame. And, you know, to me, Justin Herbert just for whatever reason was not seeing the field very well today. There were a couple of times where, you know, he had a clean pocket and would try to run and then would get sacked. There were a couple of times where he had a clean pocket and had people open and just couldn't see them. So for whatever reason, you know, Justin Herbert just was not comfortable today. And yes, the Chargers did not do a good enough job supporting him. The offensive line, like I said, was not great. Uh, Michael Schofield had a couple of bad plays. Samuel Calamente had a couple of bad plays. Even Corey Lindsay had a, had a pressure. As Arjun just pointed out, they had three drops, one of which led to a pick six. So this offense has 
issues with consistency. And sure, some of that is coaching, but it's just players. Like, I know that Justin Herbert has a lot on his plate right now, but, you know, we expect better of him. You know, we expect him to be – he doesn't have to be an MVP-level quarterback every single week, but the drop-off from last week to this week, it, it can't keep happening. You know, we see God-tier quarterback against Cleveland, and then against Baltimore, he's really, really bad. And then he's great against the Eagles, and then he's bad against the Vikings, and then he's great against the Steelers, and then he's bad against the Broncos. So that's a real concern for me going forward. Um, you know, just the, the lack of consistency in his decision making. But I, I, I do expect them to bounce back, right? Like that's the thing that we've seen from this team is that they continue to show us that they will bounce back. But I just this is this was such a winnable game. Like this Broncos offense was not great by any means. You had Drew Locke who could or you had Teddy Bridgewater get hurt and could barely move in the second half. Drew Locke gifted us an interception to Derwin James. So this was a very winnable game today. And it just, it sucks like this, you know, now they're tied with the Broncos in the division. They should be uh, tied with the chiefs. Like it's, it's such an unfortunate loss today. Yeah. And also to just say this about Lombardi and what the criticism would be is like, Oh, well, he didn't take enough deep shots. Well, Herbert was fucking up. (laughs) He was under pressure all day. Uh, Yeah. He was, well, you know, when he threw the ball deep, it wasn't great. And also Senio Calamete was Senio Calamete. So therefore you can't take too many deep shots. And actually the offense looked better whenever they went to the quick passing game, to be honest, than this one. Um, So, you know, we're going to talk about that conversation with Lombardi. Like I just thought out of all the losses this year that people want to pin on the Chargers offense, this was the one that was least on Lombardi and mostly on player execution. Yeah, I think either this or Baltimore, I would, I would chalk up to the games where I just thought, you know, maybe Lombardi. I don't know. Um, Arjun pointed out that so far the offensive line only gave up 11 pressures. It certainly felt like more than that. Arjun, if you're still listening, I think you are. I'm curious if how many pressures or sacks did Herbert technically allow, either through scrambles or holding the ball too long, whatever it was. I'm just curious because it felt like more than 11 pressures all game. And that number can change. That's not a definitive number, but it felt like more. So I'm curious how much they've pinned some of those pressures on or, or coverage, I guess. I guess I think you can call it coverage too, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's frustrating. The, the inconsistency is so tough because against the Steelers, again, they brought pressure 16 different times. So it's not like they weren't trying. It's not, And they were rotating quite a bit. They were rotating as much as they could. They did kind of a lot of everything that the Vikings did. And Herbert, again, now he did have Filer, and the production was better. But Herbert was going, boom, 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 that read, boom, 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 that read. I mean, there was one play where, you know, against the Steelers, where in half of a second, he goes from this side of the field to Eckler in the flat on a swing. No problem. Got him, no problem. Just flew right through his progressions, no problem. Knew he was matched up on a linebacker, no problem. And in this game, I think it was on fourth down or third down, whatever it was, you know, Eckler's wide open on a swing right over there. And he's like, um, Alan, please get open. And like, Eckler's <laughs> just like wide open over there. I just don't, how does that change? Again, the, again, the Steelers did bring pressure. Whether they got pressure is a different thing, but they brought pressure last week and he was moving through his progressions. No problem. Everything was crisp. Everything had a really, really, it just, everything made sense. He moved from left to right, from one to four, whatever it is, no problem. Today, probably the same amount of pressure's just what happened i don't get the inconsistency because it felt like everything was there for him yeah and i'll also just say in regards to like going through the reads and progressions and stuff to me this was the game where 
it wasn't so much that he was struggling to go through reads and progressions as much as he just wasn't seeing the field like entirely. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's also evident on like the, the first uh, Sertan interception. Like, I think he just flat out didn't see Patrick Sertan. And that's why he decided sure. to throw the ball there. Um, and so then Patrick Sertan picks it off and it's like, okay, well, what was that throw? Like to me, that was a, a symptomatic of, of what Herbert had kind of been throughout the game. Yeah, absolutely. I just, it was a, it was so frustrating to sit there and watch like, my, so Brooke and I went to Utah this week and uh, both of us are, are a little sick today um, and Brooke fell right. asleep and she wakes up and is like, what the hell happened? It's just in Herbert today. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I just it was just a frustrating day. It was, you know, just it it sucks. Like, I have no understanding of why, you know, he can't see the field in these situations or or what, because. It's just, you know, we've seen him play so, so well in so many of these games. And then to see him come out and play like this today was just, it was frustrating, man. So what do you do? Like what, <laughs> it's so hard to figure out what they should do moving forward because, okay, let's, let's get more to the tight ends. That's really easy. They've worked out really well, but like, have they? Jared Cook's dropping passes. Donald Parham has played well when he gets the ball usually, but he had dropped last week. He has a couple untimely holding calls. Trey McKitty is not really involved in the passing game right now. Steven Anderson has kind of been phased out of the passing game for some reason. And he had a great catch today. He did. He had a great catch. He seems to always play well. And yes, Victor, I did talk about Rivers like this. We talked about everyone like this. And everyone says, oh, you can't criticize him. You can't criticize him. We criticize everyone as as we see fit. If it's a little bit more on Herbert right now, fine. Whatever. We criticize people equally. So... Put it to rest. Come on. We, we just sucked his dick last week. Like, we were just like, this is Lamar Jackson. This is Michael Vick. This is a combination of that and Brett Favre. Like, we, we did that whole thing last week. So allow us to be a little bit angry that he played like shit today. Okay? Like, this isn't that hard. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we, we had to sit here through a 5-11 and 11 bad river season. Like, we absolutely sat here and, and criticized him. Um. You know, as Michael points out, the, the truth could could certainly meet in the middle. Like I said, I feel like mm-hmm. we've been pretty objective about Joe Lombardi. He's not a great offensive coordinator. Again, he's been an offensive coordinator for like 25 games. We're just willing to let this play out. Like, I, I think people who are asking for coaches to be fired right now, and, and you know, this goes for Brandon Staley too. I had at least 10 people say that Brandon Staley should be fired after today. Like, they're all first-year coaches. Like, this is a very young coaching staff, and you can look at Justin Herbert's inconsistent play against veteran coaching staffs. You can look at the coaching staff being outperformed by every single veteran coaching staff that they come up with, come up against, except for the Steelers. Um, and, you know, it certainly is a concern. We figured from the start that there would be growing pains this year. We didn't think that they would last until week 12. We didn't think that this team would still be trying to figure out which running back two to play and which offensive lineman to play in week 12. <laughs> but unfortunately, this this coaching staff is they're just going through the growing pains right now. Like it, it as, at the bottom of the baseline, like that's the concern right now is that this this coaching staff. They adjust well from game to game, but they don't mm-hmm. adjust well in the game. You know, Tyler mentioned the light box thing like. You should look at Teddy Bridgewater on one leg and load the, <laughs> completely load the box and stop Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And it was still like, well, we're not going to let them beat, the, beat us over the top. They can't. They have four backup offensive linemen just like you do. 
They don't have a good quarterback, mm-hmm. unlike you do. So I, the lack of adjustments in game are another issue from both Joe Lombardi and Brandon Staley. Like, if you want to talk about them in that regard, I think that is a very fair criticism. They make good adjustments from game to game. In-game adjustments are basically non- non-existent at this point. Yeah, and also just say this. Like, uh, I mean, I watched the Justin Jones uh, press conference, and, like, he, he got up there and was like, you know, hey, our plan for Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams today is to cage them between the tackles uh, and, and sort of box them in. And they 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 didn't do that for large stretches of this game. Like, I'm not, you know, obviously part of that is personnel and the fact that they don't have very good run defense. But, like, it just seemed like the coaching staff went away from maybe what the players thought this game would kind of be um, at yeah. points. So I, I thought that that was just perplexing, especially because they were going between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke and then back to Teddy Bridgewater on one leg. Like, this is a game they had to win. Like, that should have been enough. And it just wasn't. Yeah. Someone said the run defense stepped in the second half. And they did, except for moments where they absolutely sucked. Like, I don't understand. Like, down to down to down, for the most part, they played pretty well. And then there's just a couple of times today where it felt like they thought the play was over. And then Bridgewater would get that yeah. touchdown. Or they thought the play was over. And then Javante Williams would get 10 more yards. Like, I don't I don't know. I, it was just a weird game. That yeah. first Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, the... And also... I was, I was just going to say, like, people were like, oh, well, the run defense was good last week, so what was different this week? And people want to go ahead and blame Jerry Tillery. I'll actually defend Jerry Tillery a little bit. Like, man, they were up, you know, 10 or 14 points on the Steelers for most of the second half. Like, that's why the Steelers didn't run the ball very well. Right. <laughs> like, right. you know, in addition to guys stepping up, but the, you, when you start down 14, uh, it makes it a lot easier for them to run the ball. Like, you know, at the end of the day, when you spot them that many points, um, and have Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams going crazy. So, yeah, I mean, they were the 32nd ranked run defense going into Pittsburgh. They're the 32nd ranked run defense coming out of Denver, like ultimately. So, yes, there's been improvements here and there. Obviously, having Justin Jones back has helped, but then they don't have Linval Joseph today. And then, you know, it, it just kind of craters around them. So, um, you know, and they've always been a bad tackling team this season, unfortunately. So that's just the reality I've lived with. Um, so I don't know. Like, yeah, they did some things last week that were better, but ultimately it was just the offense being, you know, immensely better than Pittsburgh for a lot of that game until the defense collapsed in the fourth quarter and then it became sort of a closer one. But that was sort of the reason that they were able to limit Pittsburgh last week, you know, as opposed to. Uh, a massive structural change like that that game is not something that resets what this run defense really is yeah and that's what i said you know leading up into this game is that you know i i wasn't crazy concerned about the pittsburgh running rushing attack because i knew that they they want to pass the ball man they don't want to be a rushing rushing attack rushing attack first offense like they want to throw the ball and let big ben do his thing so you know the broncos were going to live and die by the run and i felt like the run defense was okay at moments you know the third quarter in particular they stepped up and got a couple three and outs that they really needed um but it's just in the situational instances like tyler was talking about where you know you it's third and goal from the nine yard line and they denver runs a draw a fucking draw play and you give it up for a touchdown like it's just the situational football for this defense right now is not very good the broncos are in third and ten they have a quarterback who cannot move everybody like i knew that they were going to run a screen 
And what do they do? They run a screen and it goes for 18 yards and there's no one in nobody. So the situational football for this defense is just, it's not great. And some of that is young players, right? Some of that is playing without, uh, you know, your top corner or your top safety on occasion, or, you know, mm-hmm. your linebacker situation. Um, frankly, Drew Tranquil has not been very good the last couple of weeks. I'm just going to say that one. But it's just the situation of football for this defense has not been great, and it cost them today when they needed them most to step up. And it's like Derwin James, Kaiser White, Nasir Adderley, and Joey Bosa, and then, frankly, that's it. Like, Justin Jones has moments, but Mm -hmm. this defensive roster is is kind of, you know, playing themselves out of jobs right now. Curious what they do moving forward. I think someone posted today that the Chargers had the second youngest or the second youngest roster on defense right now in terms of snaps played or the percent of snaps played by uh, you know rookies or whatever it was. Yeah. And so, what do you do moving forward? Like, you want to see that growth into next year, and some of it will. Like, you know, Tavon Campbell probably will get better. Like he was better <laughs> to begin the year. Asante Samuel Jr. just being on the field will make them better. Sure. But like, do you have the room next year to wait this long because? If it's a personnel problem, Staley doesn't have his personnel right now. Like you can't wait. You have to go get your your veterans, honestly. And I'm not saying that's Casey Hayward. Don't go get him or whatever. But you got to do something. Like if you're not willing to wait, and you maybe you can't for these guys to develop next year because you want to go all in. You got to probably spend some money on some some veteran defensive players. Cough, Hassan Reddick. <laughs> Although that wasn't the issue today. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, no, I think that's completely fair. Like, part of it is that they're young on defense. But, like, honestly, I mean, in comparison to what we saw last year, and remember, you know, this is partially Staley not having the personnel and all that. Um, like, this is a lot of what we saw last year with missed tackles um, and bad run defense. Like, you know, uh, the run defense situation is actually just somehow worse. But, um, I mean, we saw some of the same stuff uh, with some of the same players. So, uh I, I don't know, like at this point, and I mean, they're probably going to get younger in some sense, which is potentially a good thing. Like, I mean, because, you know, Chris Harris is going to be gone, you know, presumably, um, and they'll make some other moves. Who knows if Lidwell Joseph is back uh, in, in addition to another, you know, all, all the other free agents they have. But um, like, if you're just talking about like large scale change, it's just, it's hard to see it because it's like, well, Jerry Tiller is still going to be under contract. Um, and you still have a lot of these Kenneth Murray still under contract Drew tranquil, you know, I mean like same thing with a lot of these players who are going to be back next year. So I think you definitely want to add some guys and knock some guys down the depth chart. But at the same time, it's like, they're going to be cooking with a lot of the same ingredients, um, whether we want to admit that or not. So uh, at some point I think it's about the use of them uh, and, and improving where you can in the margins. Yeah, like they'll they'll improve next year. Like you know, it's only natural that you know, like they have potentially eighty million dollars in cap space. They have ten draft picks, so they'll they'll improve, right? And like this team could still make the playoffs. Like they're still very much in the playoff picture, and we're very frustrated right now just because of the lack of consistency. But you know, something that Arjun has kind of always pointed out is that you know, good teams cover, good teams are consistent, and this team is not in that realm right now they're just not consistent week to week and you know they could still make the playoffs for sure i would have a tough time you know imagining that they make a run in the playoffs at all but you know with the afc being as wide open as it is they're still in the playoff picture but it's just so frustrating 
that in week 12 of the season, we're still having these consistency issues. It's just that it's pivoted from, you know, illegal formations to, you know, not reading the defense and not making in-game adjustments and things like that. Uh, I mean, the game versus the Bengals is arguably the season next week. Like, if you fall to yeah. six and six, yep. and then you uh, have a lost tiebreaker against Denver, and you have a lost tiebreaker against the Ravens, and you have a lost tiebreaker, then uh, adding up, like, you know, at that point, I'm not going to say the Chargers are done because the AFC is, you know, the AFC um, at this point. But like, I-, I guess this game is sort of the game that makes me go, okay, yeah, the Chargers can be a playoff team. So what? Okay, so they can get shredded on by Jonathan Taylor because he would just absolutely decimate them. Derrick Henry's coming back. He would absolutely decimate them. Like, yeah, I want to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs. It would be fun, but they're not playing like a playoff team right now, and they haven't been playing like a playoff team for a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know with all this execution issues and you know Eckler talking about how after week four they basically didn't they were installing brand new plays or having to install new plays because they weren't caught up and the way the defenses issues and the drops and everything they have to revamp next preseason right in the next preseason whether it's just playing some guys in games or not yeah. putting the special teams on the field during training camp for like 80 percent of the snaps or <laughs> the time that you're there which was really weird I sort of understand it but then today, you know, yeah, Hopkins missed a field goal, but like special teams isn't on, like it isn't on the field more than offense and defense. And so while I get the priority, I guess they took everything away from the offense and defense, not able to get onto the field and gel, work together, what, install plays, whatever it was. They have to redo these things next year. I, know, I don't want to talk about next year yet, but like you said, the, the game next week is kind of the season. And I don't have any faith that this defense is going to stop the Bengals at all. Yeah, especially without Asante Samuel Jr., it's going to be tough. Uh, yeah. Gr- granted, today the, the receivers for the Broncos weren't like the reason that we lost. You know, like Tim Patrick had a couple good plays, Sutton mm-hmm. had a couple good grabs. I think Judy only had like two catches. I don't even think Judy had maybe. That many. So it was just the situational instances. Um, you know, there's like I don't want to talk about next year either. And you know, people keep asking me when I'm going to start watching draft film, and I frankly don't have the time right now. Like I just. <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah. not there yet. So um, I think this team could still, you know, it's all about getting hot at the right time. And we keep on saying that we keep on expecting the drops to keep going back to normal. But, you know, I strangely, like I said, I feel like they'll bounce back because we've seen this team do that and get a, uh, you know, again, we'll kind of dive into the Bengals later on in the week. But um, all right. I, I want to talk about something, too, that I noticed today. I think Kenneth Murray at this point is a backup edge player. And like that's it. I believe you, and and sure, why not? <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, genuinely I get... like. Someone let me know in the chat. I do not remember seeing him as an off-ball linebacker at all in this game. Like maybe a couple snaps. Uh, uh, I mean, it's I don't really remember him that much either. Um, I, I mean, they think the coaching staff is trying to phase him out because he's playing bad and, and using him as an edge maybe when they have to um, in a pinch. But it's not surprising to me that his snap slip isn't going down because he hasn't been playing well. Um, now, the alternative point to that is that Tranquil didn't play well either. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah. Kaiser is their only good linebacker right now. Uh, and so it kind of makes it hard to like play defense when you have one good linebacker um, and a secondary in shambles and a bad defensive line. Like, 
that that's that's the team right now. So I mean, I don't think Kenneth Murray. I, I mean, honestly, if he he was playing more snaps, it would probably be worse. So you know, him playing ten snaps or whatever is fine with me um, because he hasn't shown that he deserves to be on the field like other first round picks on the defense. <sighs> Sorry, I'm reading the chat right now. Someone asked what pick Murray was. I think he was 23rd, right? They yeah. moved up for him in 23rd. Yeah. Um, shoot, what was the other one? I mean, I while know. we're at it, like Jerry Tillery and and Tavon Campbell just get paid to do cardio every week, and I I think it's it's fun. <laughs> like if I was them, I'd be super amped because I'm getting an NFL salary and I just get to do stupid things all game. Like I and I get exercise. Yeah. Like I mean, that's kind of the life to live. But that's what I'm saying, like, with the personnel decisions, right? Like, we're seeing Kenneth Murray get phased out. Like, Chris Harris is playing, you know, a significant, uh, small, a significantly smaller amount of snaps than a few weeks ago. But then mm-hmm. Tillery comes back, and I'm assuming that he's his snap chart is going to be, like, 75% or 80% of the snaps. You know, mm-hmm. Tavon Campbell. Like, there's no – they haven't added a corner, like, to even challenge somebody, like, or, or even bring in a body. Like, they didn't even sign Keandre Thomas to the active roster. He was just elevated because of COVID. Like, it was just a, like, a, a little window into, you know, window of opportunity for him because the Chargers are going through a COVID outbreak. So, it just, the personnel decisions right here with the defense doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why can you phase out Murray, who's a former first-round pick, but you can't phase out Tillery, who's a former first-round pick? And I would argue that Tillery and Murray are playing equally as bad. Yeah, and you also know what you have in Tillery at this point. I think Murray, this is, right. he's a year and a half right now. Like, yeah, and he's been injured or whatever. Like, you could give him a shot and let him run and, and see what you have for the rest of the year and then make the decision to phase him out. But nope. And then that just makes me question what happens next year. Like I say, they bring in a nice fourth round pick to compete for somebody and he looks really good and he could probably could play. But then they just, what are they going to do? Sign another veteran to play over him like Hymas right now? Like, okay, so, you know, you talk about the draft next year and getting Staley's guys. I mean, who whose guy is Hymas at this point? Is it Telesco's? I think it's a good pick. Whoever, whoever's guy it was, I think it's a good pick. Whoever's making the decisions to override him being on the field. And I think someone pointed out in the chat that Staley said that Hymas is going to play when he's ready. Is Calamete ready? Like, is he ready? <laughs> When's he going to be ready? If, 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 if Calamete is ready. I, I'm not ready to watch Calamete. So, I mean, you know, uh, in that sense. No. I don't care if Hymas is ready or not. Just put him on the field. And, or I'm going to need to take Advil PM before I watch next game. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, we were all upset about the game not being uh, flexed at Sunday Night Football. And thank God oh, it's not. yeah. <laughs> we we got to eat shit on that. <laughs> Although they might have won. <laughs> yeah, may, yeah, maybe they would have won. But, like, uh, yeah, this team deserves to never play in primetime again after that game. Uh, they were just horrendous. I Horrendous. Yeah. Uh, I, I know why that they're going with Calamente, right? Like, he, he it was the same reason why they went with Schofield, right? Like, they want the experience. Experience doesn't matter for shit if you're an awful fucking football player. Like, <laughs> come on now. Like, I, I don't understand how you could, like, everybody keeps on telling me because, you know, well, you're not at practice. I don't fucking care. Hymas was really good in the preseason. We all heard from all of the reporters that he was good. We I saw with my own eyes at training camp that he was good. There is mm-hmm. no fucking way that Senor Calamente is a better than Brennan Hymas at this point. Michael Schofield, I can kind of understand. But yes. what I just watched from Senor Calamente, like, no fucking way is he better than Brennan Hymas at this point. 
Although maybe Kelamenta gets to go against uh, Tillery in camp or in, in practice, and maybe he just he's just bulldozing guys and looks really good. Like, how do you not let him start after that like, week of practice? I mean, Kelamenta probably looks like Zach Martin out there against Tillery. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that was funny. Uh, I needed that laugh. Thank you guys. That was that was great. Um, all right, let's talk about some studs and does because I think I do think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to kind of wrap this up, show up today. Um, I think there obviously were some players that did play well. I'm going to take the easy layup. It's Derwin James, stud of the day yes. for me. That mm-hmm. guy was just flying around all over the place, had a couple great tackles for loss. The uh, interception was kind of a gift, but, you know, clutch players show up in clutch moments, and the Chargers needed that interception pretty desperately. So, uh, again, taking the easy layup, Derwin James, stud of the day. All right, it's between me and Alex to figure out one other player who was good today. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think Rashawn Slater only allowed one pressure, right? I'm sure he was good. Like, I'm pretty sure he I, I was good. It. He, had a, he had a holding he call, had a which was bullshit, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm going to the Chargers-Broncos box score um, to see <laughs> if maybe there's, maybe there's something I missed, you know, in terms of a guy who... Yeah, really. Uh, Kaiser White had moments. Ke- Keenan Allen, uh, kind of, maybe, uh, kind of. Long snapper. Long snapper was this done. <laughs> Joshua Kelly, fun hurdle. Uh, I, he had another I mean, good run too. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked good today. <laughs> And my fucking suffering. Holy shit, this game was terrible. <laughs> um, who else? Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean Ty Long didn't have a punt blocked. Ty Long didn't he, have a punt he, looked, he looked a little slow on the punts today, though. I mean, I don't know if I could call <laughs> He did. Him. Yeah, he looked a little oh slow God. today, so I don't know. Uh, I, I love Ty Long, but um, yeah, he he's, a, he's somewhere in between a stud and a dud. All right, so that's the that's the state of today's game. Jalen Guyton had a really good play. Like that play Actually, should not have yeah. been converted. And he had a really Guyton, good play. He had another catch where he didn't drop the ball on like a bullet pass. <laughs> like he was he 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 was kind of freaky today. You know, he looked good. Yeah. Hey, Easton Stick held the shit out of the clipboard today. Got great. He probably <laughs> dropped it. Like, come on. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, all the... yeah, <laughs> let's, let's talk I... about the. Sorry, Alex. Go ahead. It's okay. I can't find any more fucking studs today. If stud was whoever watched the Packers Rams game, probably. Uh, I mean Eckler outside of the drops. I think if Eckler hadn't dropped that one, I probably would have sent him too because he was he's sure. pretty good. Um. All right. Let's talk about the duds. Uh, I'll let you guys go first because I think everybody kind of knows who I would say, but. If one of you wants the rail on Senyo Calamente again, go for it. <laughs> I mean, can it kind of be everyone? Like, I mean, sure. I don't, I don't think it's too far to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I mean, it's it's kind of everyone on defense. Like, Jerry Tillery was bad. Tavon Campbell uh, got cooked. Like, ever since I gave Tavon Campbell my stud of the game, he's just been shit. Um. Jerry Tillery, very bad late hit again because uh, he's slow as a sloth. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could go with a lot of duds. Kenneth Murray, 
uh, I mean, I, I could just read you the box score <laughs> the, and all the, the guys chart. that are yeah. on it and just go, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really could read yeah. you everyone other than Derwin James and maybe Kaiser, uh, Christian Covington, Devon Campbell, uh, Drew Tranquil, Michael Davis, uh, Jerry Tillery, Uchenna Nwosu, Fahoko Harris-Murray. Um, I think those are my defensive duds. And then offensive duds is pretty much everyone except uh, Alan Eckler. Okay, those are my duds of the day. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, since you've already covered everyone, I'm going to say the dud of the day is the oblong shape of a football. Uh, for whatever reason, that <laughs> ball decided to come out of Teddy Bridgewater's hand and bounce forward for four yeah. fucking yards and get them a first yeah. down, which honestly probably changed the game in and of itself. Like sure. it was a fumble and it did, but it went forward. They picked up a first down. It should have been a fourth down and a punt. Yay, Joey Bosa strip sack. Woohoo. Instead, they get a first down and then they go on to drive and, and score a touchdown. That kind of did change the game. So if Alec has already taken everyone but a certain lineman, <laughs> then I'm taking the shape of a football. My my understanding of that rule is that you can't make forward progress on a fumble. And where the Chargers fans know that. Like I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was because of the Chargers and the and the, the holy the holy roller, whatever it's called. Yeah, holy roller. So holy I don't know. All right, Steven, yeah, let's hear I, it. Uh... <laughs> I mean, I already railed on Daniel Calmante for a while. I what I'm gonna say here is that the Chargers are now seven and sixteen in Denver since 2000, <sighs> and four of those wins came during the prime Rivers and LT years from 2006 to 2010. So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, this team just cannot win at Denver, and the weirdest shit happens. You know, the fumble. Mm-hmm. Dustin Hopkins didn't even miss. The man kicked a fucking frisbee as opposed to a football. <laughs> like Dustin Hopkins is a really good kicker, and that man kicked the football and it was going horizontally. So yeah. the weirdest shit happened today. I don't know what the hell was going on with this team. I think a lot of this falls on the coaching staff, frankly. They simply did not really seem prepared. Like mm-hmm. every single time that the Broncos threw pressure at the Chargers offensive line, it seemed to hit. Right. And like that's on coaching. Like you have to have a better protection plan. And Mm -hmm. so, hey, guys, look, I just criticized Joe Lombardi. Oh, my goodness. Um, So, (laughs) so to me, like, you know, we can, I'll rail on selling Senor Calamante if people want me to do that again. But to me, the coaching staff just, it was not good enough today on both sides of the football. No, it wasn't. Alex, next time you do that, have your hands a little higher. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you should do uh, an all twenty-two offensive line breakdown again, but just zoom in on Senio Calamete and oh, just please watch don't. him. Watch, watch him just for all you know. All every minute he was on the field, I think that's what you should do this. Yeah, um, you know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll definitely look at the offensive line tape, and you know, we'll see what happens. I know that they were chipping, like they showed a few times that they were chipping, but frankly, it was all interior pressure. And like I said a couple weeks ago, you can't chip into your pressure. Like you just have to have the guys to hold up. You can slide protection and things like that. But your veteran interior offensive lineman can't be getting beat by McTelvin Aguim, who I saw before today had played 40 snaps, 40 snaps. And he was, he looked like Aaron fucking Donald out there. So you know, uh, we kind of railed on Justin Herbert today, but the man was under pressure all game long, and mm-hmm. a lot of that is on the coaching staff. Like, Kelamente shouldn't have been in there. They should have had a better plan. 
Um, so it was just it was just a bad look today from the offensive line. It honestly felt like I, last year's offensive line. It really did. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm so angry that I didn't even realize till just now that Tyler made a masturbation joke. I mean, I didn't even understand <laughs> that until just now. Um, that's yeah, how angry the, the crickets I were really disappointing on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, credit to you for a good joke, but I, I'm just, I'm so, I'm looking at this box score, and it's just, no, no what. Mm. <laughs> The Only six thing. and a half yards per punt return, guys. There's there's a stud. <laughs> build, hey. Whoever, whoever stopped build the that. Statue. Build the statue for six and a half yards per punt return. <laughs> Honestly, like the punt return unit probably move up a couple uh, move up a couple spots in their DVA unit. Thank goodness. Probably. <laughs> but then you have the missed field goal, so yeah. All bounces. Out. I don't understand how that was a like how do you physically Take a ball like this and have it go like this, <laughs> like this. without it being blocked. It wasn't even like diagonal. Know. It was just just like this the whole time. I don't even. And the hold seemed fine. I, I don't even think it was windy there either. Like it, it they said, it was windy so. at one point. They said it was kind uh, of windy in the in the third uh, quarter. It didn't well, seem I mean, as windy. Yeah, I mean the other kicker made all his extra points, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, um, yeah. Why do you think they went for two? I don't know. That was weird. You're down by four. Who gave a like... shit at that fucking point? I mean, <laughs> like, who cares? Just my last brain two. cell did, honestly. It was like, <laughs> why? Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of questionable calls today, but um, yeah, I don't know. Going for two, just confusing all the way through this one. Um fourth down calls that were weird i don't know like just <sighs> it was a frustrating day uh, the three of us were joking for those who have been listening to the podcast for quite a while the last time that the chargers played in denver we recorded like a really good episode oh my I feel like <laughs> gosh but one of us forgot to hit the record button and we didn't notice until, <laughs> until after we were done recording. Whoops. Uh, yeah. So, but for whatever reason, man, this this game in Denver just always gives the charge problem. I'm just so fucking pissed this was the Sertan game. Why <laughs> did it have to be this one? Why? Yeah. Like, yeah. He, I called CB1 and he plays like CB1 and then... Fuck. Uh, Alex, what was your record this week in picks? Go fuck oh. yourself. I'm not even updating the picks. I'm so mad. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna protest updating them today. Man, I, I gave you the open layup, man. That. Oh, I didn't forget about that. Oh, I know you didn't forget about that, and I know that you know that I know I didn't forget about it. So fuck off. Oh man, rough week, rough week. Um, it was a good week. <laughs> I take it. Did you did you go three and all, Tyler? Yes, and Alex, no, you, you didn't win one. You won zero. Okay. <laughs> oh no, no, no! You, you went full Eli Manning. <laughs> nice, very nice. The FCC yeah, so did Daniel Jones as he beat the Eagles today. Pissed. <laughs> oh yeah, man, that was a rough day for Alex's teams and his picks, man. Oh, and five today. At, at least, at least Ohio State lost. I mean that that was fun. That's but uh, <sighs> yeah, hey, and uh, 
Tyler's Tyler might get more into USC now that they have Lincoln Riley. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they're good, great. But I'll be like, woohoo, and then I won't watch a game. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, we'll take a couple questions now, guys. So if you haven't asked them, uh, please do so, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, so we'll just kind of scroll through, and then obviously feel free to use uh, the super chat feature if you feel so inclined. Um, Moses pointed out that we didn't even challenge Sertan that much. One tip pass and one underthrown ball. Uh, you know, they, they went at him with Palmer a couple of times, but I feel like for the yeah, most part, they were pass. trying to go after Kenny Young and uh, Kyle Fuller. Yeah, it certainly yeah. seemed like that. And it, it's a bummer that the times they went after Sertan, it was like horrible. It wasn't even like a you know decent play. It was like awful decision to throw to Cook. And then a, a ball behind Eckler, and he drops it, and he gets a pick six. Um, but yeah, it seems like they went against other guys. It seemed like early on that Fuller and whoever else were getting picked on, but I don't know, it didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they challenged Sertan um, much either. Uh, they were clearly kind of going after Kyle Fuller and the other guys. Um, kind of didn't matter. Mm-hmm. They throw it out at this one, though, because the passing offense was just terrible. Yeah. A couple uh, of people have asked, why does Ronaldo Hill, why doesn't he get as much blame as Lombardi? I think if you're talking about just defense in general, he's not the he doesn't call the plays. But, yeah. I mean, should he get more flack because of the way the secondary looks? On one hand, you know, I think Davis sort of improved. And then James looks great. Santa Samuel Jr. looks legit. But then, like, Campbell's taking a step back. I don't know looks better, too. So, I don't know. I, he doesn't call the plays, though, Michael. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, this is the same conversation I have with Eagles fans who blame, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Who blame Saint Steichen as opposed to Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni is the one who calls the plays on offense. So, you know, I I mean, you you can talk about certain things that maybe Ronaldo Hill is doing, but at the end of the day, like, falls on the play caller. And Brandon Staley's the play caller until he says he's not anymore. Um, So. Yeah, I we don't really know how much Ronaldo Hill is involved. Like, I think he's essentially just another secondary coach at this point, but I don't know. <clears throat> um, a bunch of people are expressing frustration about Tom Telesco today. And I totally understand, but we all need to come to grips with the fact that when you hit on a franchise quarterback, that prolongs your career as a general manager for multiple years. So I understand the frustration Tom Tulsa is not going anywhere. Probably not. Yeah, and for better or worse, I feel like there was, at least in the offseason, a good marriage of Telesco and Staley. It seemed like they got, you know, Staley wanted more linemen. They got more linemen. They, they kind of, in general, operated the best way they could. Um, yeah, you know, he's sticking around. He's at least going to stick around through the all-in year and probably the year after. Probably her, 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 Herbert's rookie contract and Staley's yeah. contract. Probably stick around with that. If, for some reason, Staley gets fired does not see a second contract, Telesco is definitely going. I know that seems like you've uh, said that a couple of times, but I think he's definitely going. Yeah, and I, I mean, the thing also is, like, I, I think you can blame Telesco for a lot of things, but if we're going to talk about, like, the Anthony Lynn drafts, like, he he's sort of in the middle right now between, you know, we talk about Kenneth Murray, we talk about Jerry Tillery. Like, yeah, that falls on Telesco because, I mean, he, he is the guy who had the final shot in that one. But also, those guys are clearly not being utilized by the new coaching staff who 
didn't want those players that Anthony Lynn and Tom Telesco picked. So I think they're just in this weird uh, transitionary kind of stage uh, between the two administrations. Um, I think Telesco deserved to be fired when Anthony Lynn was fired. Um, He wasn't. I think he is responsible for a a great deal of these, this team's problems. I mean, if you're looking through the years and, and, and some of the picks that haven't panned out, um, our Arjun has talked at depth about, you know, uh, his hit rate on picks and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, I mean, you know, like these kind of games in particular where Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are, you know, alternating between uh, each other getting hurt and sucking and, you know, a very beatable Broncos team, like you could screw Tom Telesco all you want, but they still very much should have won this game regardless of anything else. Yeah. Yeah, and to be fair, like uh, I was on board with Telesco getting fired with Anthony Lynn when they decided that they were going to bring him back. Like I feel like it was pretty clear that his future was going to be tied with Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley. So, yeah. Um, you know, it all kind of depends on those two. As long as Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley are working well together, which so far it seems like they are, you know, then Tom Telesco is going to stick around. Um, interesting question here from Holden Sanchez, uh, Holden going to the Giants game, courtesy of one of our giveaways. So shout out to Holden. Um, he wants to know what fixes the offense. Uh, Tyler, I'll start with you. Uh, what do you think on this one? Aside from just, Oh, play better and execute better. And, and that is part of it. Like you stop dropping five balls a game and the offense will look better. You know, like that's kind of easy, but in whatever way they need to, they need to get into some sort of rhythm where they have the opportunity to set things up. I mean, part of what Lombardi did last week against the Steelers is that all year, that signature deep shot that they've had, whether they've done it out of play action or off that RPO on the move, they've been setting it up different ways. And the Steelers played that same look off of play action that they did against the Vikings. They played that in such a way that it was basically a perfect setup because of everything Lombardi had shown them on tape all year, particularly against the Eagles with the, you know, with Palmer in motion, with Roberts getting the handoff with the slide route to Anderson, with the deep ball to Williams and everything that the Steelers did on that particular play. You saw them going, you're signaling, pushing, pointing, do this, do that. And what did they do after playing all deep Lombardi in that exact moment, after showing something all year, that was different called a screen pass to Parham that he had not called out of the same look got a screen pass to Parham and it got 12 yards or whatever. And nobody on the Steelers is ready for that. And that's because they're able to set up things either over a long period of time or in game, like they did against the Eagles with that deep shot to Williams. I think they just have to sustain more drives. And so if, yeah, better blocking, better execution, Herbert actually hitting his passes, uh, you know, all these certain just guys being healthy. I think that'll eventually set him into a rhythm because I think some of what he does and offense in general requires rhythm. And right now they're just not in a rhythm. They can't get into that rhythm for whatever reason. And so it's not clicking because when they're in a rhythm, they have momentum. Things absolutely work for them. We've seen that two out of four games since the bye. Unfortunately, the other two, not very good. So if they can get into a rhythm, I think they can be a good offense. It it really, I think like personally, I really do believe the calls are there. And I think the team is talented enough to make this sort of work, but they have to stay in a rhythm. So block better, execute better, catch the fucking football for God's sake. And I think things will start to just look better. Because honestly, even though the Steelers are missing a bunch of players on defense, I don't think anyone was stopping Herbert that day because they were in that rhythm and because Herbert was just on. Like, yeah, if TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, whatever, if they were there, 
you know, maybe more difficult. Maybe they only scored 34, but for the most part, they weren't stopping them. There was no way Herbert was getting beat that day because they were in a perfect rhythm. And so if they can do that, I think they'll be okay. I mean, I think it's also just about being adaptable at this point. Like, at this point, if Senio Calamente is going to start next week, uh, which Good is God. still very possible. Um, it's going to happen. And you're gonna, yeah, and you, and you have Schofield and you have Storm Norton still. Um, and it's going to be, you know, the Bengals defense who's been playing fairly well coming to town. Like, uh, I, I think at that point, like, you have to be adaptable. Like, I, I posted this on Twitter today. Like, the best... Chargers offense that we saw today was whenever they were going to the quick passing game. Um, and I think that they probably have to do that next week uh, and just try to be in a rhythm with that. Obviously reduce the number of drops, uh, all that uh, have a better Herbert game. We could talk about the obvious stuff, but like, I-, I think that Lombardi kind of needs to coach like Lombardi because of all the things that are happening on offense right now. Um, and so I-, I don't know. I think you could, pick a lot of things but at this point i think it's just about being adaptable and and making the right adjustments like also you know if something like setting up calamente happens like maybe his (laughs) leash should be shorter and you should put brendan hymas into the game maybe it would have saved them today i don't know um probably not but still like i i think that there's just things that you need to do in game to adjust better i think there's things you need to do uh prior to the game to adjust better but uh, at this point, like the, the Chargers' offense is is hurting right now, partially because of all the injuries they have, um, and, and I think that Lombardi and, and Herbert, to some extent, need to play around that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to say something that a lot of people will hate: they need to run the ball more. Like they 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 refuse to run the ball between the twenties, and then when they get in the red zone, it's like, oh shit, we got to run the ball again because the field's condensed. <laughs> so. The run game didn't work great today, but they were still, I still felt like they were getting four or five yards a pop. And it was like, oh, should we take a sack? All right, let's run the ball. Let's let's get back into third and manageable. Mm-hmm. Oh, should we had an incomplete pass? Okay, we're going to run the ball now. So I understand the roster issues at this point. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. a consistent running back too. But even with Matt Filer out, the Chargers run game was still relatively consistent. So to me, I, I'm not saying full 50 split. I'm not calling for Andy Lynn to come back to, to bring, you know, establish <laughs> the run back, you know, establish the run mentality back to this team. But like, just give me like a little 5% more of the run game. And that can come in a variety yeah. of ways, right? Like involving Andre Roberts, involving Justin Herbert. Like, I think part of the reason why they're so inefficient at times is because they're way too reliant on Justin Herbert. So I know that they averaged two yards of carry with Austin Eckler today or whatever, but for the most part, the running game looked pretty good today. Yeah, I feel like if you look at the film and the way things were called, like running out of the end zone, whatever it was, that's going to contribute. Having to go on fourth and two or third and two, whatever it was, that's going to contribute to things not looking that great. I, th- I did think the run game looked okay, at least after the first quarter, maybe into the second half. Like It looked like three, four yards per carry. But then they like they had four running backs active today, and Kelly ran the ball once, and that was it. After Eckler, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, that, that confuses me because it seemed like they were setting themselves up to be like, listen, Herbert struggling. A bit. Herbert is struggling versus these defenses right now. We're in mile high. We could gas the offense of the defense, and they ran it once with Kelly, and that was it. So again, another personnel thing. But yeah, run the ball more. I think they should. Uh, someone said they only run like they run the ball way too much on first down. 
they only run it on first down like 38% of the time. The other 62% is passing. So they could run it more. And yes, I'm a complete nerd for having that stat ready. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. Any other questions that you guys see or saw that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, record prediction after today. Like, I, what is the expectation for the rest of the year? I guess we could wait. It's, it's very reactionary right now. Depends <laughs> I mean, on health. And looking at the teams that are in front of them, like I don't see really how they beat the Bengals next week. Um, they play the Chiefs again. Maybe they can win that one. Uh, but the Chiefs look better. Uh, nine and eight. What are they right now? Six and five. Six and five. Six and five. I mean, I it, it looked, they lose it, it, three more games. Okay, Bengals, Chiefs, and uh, I don't know. Name another team on the schedule. I mean, they shouldn't have lost to the Broncos today. Giants, they Texans. Should, they they shouldn't have lost to the Vikings. They shouldn't have lost to the Patriots, but they did. Um, so, like to me, at this point, you can't look at any game on their schedule except maybe the Texans game uh, and say that they're definitely not losing to that team. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, so uh, can go ten and seven, can go nine and eight. Uh, that's what I'm seeing for them right now. I will go. I mean, I guess ten and seven. I just like there is a weird magic about at Denver that I think changes when you play at home. I'm hoping by that point they're healthier, like with Filer. But then again, the Denver Broncos will probably be healthier too, so that doesn't help. Um, they'll probably have a quarterback who has two legs this game or that next game. <laughs> the, Ch- the Chiefs is really the toss-up. Like, do I think they could beat them, especially because they're playing at home? Sure, I mean, they did. And the Chiefs, for all they have you know, figured out, the way they scored 19 points against against the, the Dallas defense, and the Raiders just roasted them for 30-something. So I, I still think they're pretty vulnerable, even with Chris. Now, if Senor Calamete is still playing and Chris Jones is on the interior still, <laughs> I have some... <laughs> he's going to set a record. I have that some reservations. Would, <laughs> if Chris Jones goes up against Senor Calamete for an entire game, I, I think that might break me. Like, I think that literally <laughs> might send me over the edge with the Chargers. <laughs> that would be... Um, I mean, that would be a massive disappointment. And I, I, at, at that point, if he's still playing and nobody is still hurt, is still hurt, other than Filer, I would have serious concerns. Like, I would have some very Lynn concerns about this staff, about Brandon Staley, which I don't really have right now. But if that's still the case, I still think that this team can get to 10 wins, right? Like, I. I... I think they'll beat the Giants. I'm. I, I know they'll beat the Texans at this point. So that's two wins, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. fairly confident that they'll be able to split with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. At Raiders, maybe. I mean, are they I capable? Are, are are they capable of it? And will they do it? Are two different things to me. Like, yeah, I think they can beat the Chiefs. I think they can beat the Broncos. I think they can beat the Raiders. Um, right now, they're not playing like a team that can beat any of those teams um uh, at this point and like as much as we talk smack on the broncos haha you're flexing them at a prime time and they're stupid like <laughs> they just beat the shit out of us today and they didn't even play good yeah. so like yeah. what are we talking about at this point 
so if you have them as nine and eight, that means that they would be going three and three for the rest of the way with the six games left. I mean, that's what I'm seeing from this team. If you're telling me they have two relatively simple wins against the Giants and the Texans, probably win one more divisional game. Um, I mean, you could argue two divisional games, which probably gets you to that 10 wins. But right now, like, I, I don't see how anyone could have true confidence that they're definitely going to win a game outside of those Giants and Texans games. Uh, I think the Raiders it might be a bit of a, I think at that <laughs> point, like if two more players get arrested or whatever, I think it'll be all right. I mean, they could have the whole uh, offensive line arrested and they'll probably still find a way to stop Jerry Tillery. Well, there's that. Although Jerry Tillery did have a good game against the, the Raiders. I'll say that. Yeah, that's true. Just, uh, just I still think they'll get to 10 and I, I think they'll get to 10 and nine or 10 and eight. That would be no 10 and seven. 10 and seven. seven. God, I hate this. I game. think it's possible because I think it's like, it's so annoying. Like Alex said, you know, do it versus, you know, can they actually do it or will they do it? Like it's there. Like the stuff on offense is there. And you can see, like, even in the Vikings game or the Patriots game, you can see like, just, just throw it to there or just catch that ball. Or, you know, Jared Cook, how often is Jared Cook going to run this way? And Herbert throws that way for a pick six to lose them the game. But it just keeps happening too. Something just right. keeps happening. Like it, it so just goes like, back. It, it goes back to the execution thing that we've talked about. And every week on this podcast, we've been like, "Well, I think this is the week gets fixed." And then <laughs> it doesn't get fucking fixed. Like, yeah, I mean, they beat Pittsburgh and they beat Philly, but like the issues that they had in a lot of those games weren't fixed, right? Like, I mean, they still had a lot of problems, particularly with Philly with run defense, uh, with Pittsburgh uh, with their secondary. Um, so, I mean as much as we want to talk about like this is the week that they stop dropping balls this is the week that they you know start to herbert really turns it around and he goes on you know some six game tear where he goes crazy i'd love to see it um but you know overwhelmingly we have bad herbert performances over the last month we have relatively poor offensive performances from most of the team over the last month except probably Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen um, and the defense is in shambles right now due to injuries and COVID and the fact that some of their personnel that the last regime drafted uh, wasn't very good. So, like, I mean, yeah. I think they can get to 4-2 and two in these last six. I think they can get to 5-1. and one. In theory, they can be a 6-0 and o team in these last six games. But what I'm seeing in these last five, six games is that I don't have any confidence in this last six-game stretch. No, I think that's totally fair, and I think – Man, it's just, I think one of the things that this team needs to do is really like, not like completely get away from Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, right? But like, if it feels like anytime things are going bad, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, here's 17 Keenan Allen targets. Here's 15 Austin Eckler targets. It's like, you know, we look at when this team is at its best, you know, it's spread all around. Donald Mm -hmm. Parham, three or four targets. Jared Cook, three or four targets. Steven Anderson, one or two targets. You know, Mike Williams gets, gets involved. Like this team... I feel like the default is just to hyper target Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. And like, that's fun. Like those two are, you know, they're the best players on the offense outside of, or, you know, the best two skill players on the offense, I should say. But I think they just need to do a better job of taking pressure off of those two and taking pressures off of Justin Herbert and be able to continue to spread the ball around. And I think today that was like, I don't think Donald Parham even had one target. Yeah, I don't know. Regardless, the lack of involvement for Steven Anderson is 
strange because I don't understand why you wouldn't get him more involved than he has. That to me is more of a criticism than any other player that's not getting involved right now. Yeah. So uh, obviously a frustrating time to be a Chargers fan. Uh, you know, we wish that this team were a little bit more consistent and, you know, you know, they have six more games left, which is, is just crazy to think about, but you know, we uh, will be covering every second of the Chargers of the rest of the Chargers season. Uh, hopefully you guys are with us. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. That's going to do it for us. Alex, Tyler, thanks for joining me as always. And we'll see you guys next time. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.